Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Yes, he's a DB of the show, and we are black in sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. Now, today's show is sponsored by Windermere agent Stacy Connor. Whatever your real estate needs are, Stacy will help you achieve your goals with confidence. Top luxury agent. Director of Sports and Entertainment Division. You can reach her at 702-741-5944 or Stacy Connor at Windermere. All right, so without further ado, man, we got to welcome our guest like we do. He's no stranger to hard work. He understands the value of creating his own opportunities. 11-year professional in the soccer game and counting, Quincy Ameriqua. Did I get it right, man? Did I get the name right? Yes, you did. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, Quincy, man, how we do, man? We jump right into it. So we need to get a shoot-your-shot moment from you, okay? So this is where you went for it all, you bet on yourself, and it seems like you do that a lot in life. So give us a story where you bet on yourself. Uh, okay, I'm a shot. <laughs> well, my whole soccer career is me betting on myself and um, probably doing it more than I should have, but uh, I, I, I'm not mad at it. I, I gain a lot of experience, and I, I feel it's given me a very unique perspective, a very valuable perspective that I think um, that will serve me well, not only in the rest of my career, but definitely post-career as well, too. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Quincy, where did uh, the love for sports start, man? Where, where, where did the foundation start? Ooh, okay. Well, I think the love for sports was just kind of innate in terms of, like, I, I just like learning anything. So I think I, I gravitated towards everything that was presented to me. I, I, I did everything from, you know, home ec to sewing to ballet to uh, judo to pole vault. Disc. <laughs> wow. So I think I think oh, I talk about it a lot when I'm talking with my mentees and people that I'm working with. Right. Your, your greatest right. strength can be will become your weakness. Right. Um, enough time. So I think. It's a great strength of mine, but I've been able to understand when it becomes my weakness. You know, jack of all trades, master of none is how most people have, have heard it. But I also am someone who's very stubborn and I don't like someone labeling what I am or am not capable of. Sure. So I think you can be a jack of all trades and master of all. So um, I, I like pressure. Um, I perform well under pressure. So I think I, <laughs> I self-sabotage to, <laughs> okay. to, create, to create the pressure to – to push myself to beat who I was. So I, 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 that's kind of where I come. That's how I attack it and approach it. That's why, you know, my brand, you see that back there, mental strength league. Yeah. MSL um, is, is born out of necessity. So um, you're always going after yourself. You're your, you're your worst critic. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I don't want to, I don't want to compare myself to anybody other than who I am and who I want to become. And, um, the, the kind of idea was more if I can create a, a system of thought, a, a process of critical thinking that that doesn't allow me to use 
complacency and my own limited self, uh, my limit, my own limiting beliefs uh-huh. to allow me to become complacent. That's when you, you, you start your downfall. It's just, right. you don't realize you're falling until you hit bottom and then you're trying to build your way back up. So digging um, out that hole. <laughs> so it's just, it's just been a process. I think most, most times I'm of the belief that you put yourself in the hole in some way. Uh-huh. And if you realize or figure out how you put yourself in the hole, you can always maintain personal responsibility for where you're going to get to. Um, and you can create a path that, that you can continually move forward with. So, um, yeah, when you say what's <laughs> that, that question was a loaded question, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned pole vault. So, uh, being a soccer is the, the, the sport that you chose or, uh, went professional and we'll get to that point, but, what other sports did you try out? Oh, uh, American football. Um, we could, we could, yeah. we could, let's take a pause right there. <laughs> what, 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 uh, what position did you play American football wise? I was wide receiver. Okay. So I, was, I was MVP wide receiver oh. of my high school team. But when I'm, so it's, it's kind of, it's funny, like playing professional soccer was never my goal and okay. it was never something thought about right sure. i didn't even think about or really understand or know about professional soccer until um i was i was invited to the combine okay right? so i just love playing sports and i love showing up and knowing i'm not the best but hyper focused in on figuring out how to beat my competition so i'm not romantic about uh, let me use a better example so like <laughs> if, right? so like, if we're going to play video games right and we're going to play a fighting game and yep. you're nice at the game and i know you've invested more time more effort more energy sure. into it than me, and you can do combos and all that kind of stuff yeah i'm looking for that if i all i have to do is smash the x button and <laughs> do a low kick and just kick your leg and kick your leg and oh, you're talking a little street fighter right there yeah. <laughs> street you know fighter I'm looking to. I'm trying to uh, saying my co- college coach would say, and I it resonated with with how I approach it. It's learn to win, right? Every if, if you get too romantic with how to win, you might completely overlook the simplest way to win. So it's also play smart, right? <laughs> so I so you was one of those guys that was breaking my controller in the, back in the day. I was pressing X too hard, and <laughs> when you leave the house, my X don't work no more. Button stuck. <laughs> Button stuck I down. Would, I would, I wouldn't take it that far. It was more so, I'm not sabotaging. I, I would no. I'd find out what you hate most and yeah. what your vulnerability is. And if you don't like the fact that all I'm doing is sitting here in a block stance for the full three minutes, <laughs> I get one punch at the end, and, and I just win. You know, you have 99 health and I have 100 health. I win. <laughs> you don't complain and. Oh, uh, that's not the way to play the game. There's so uh, many other. I say, yeah, yeah, but I want so yeah. who cares? So I don't care. That's what they, they say uh, with Floyd, right? Like people don't like his boxing style because he's a true boxer. They want to see him get punched in the face, and it's like, no, nah, I'm gonna be a technical boxer. Exactly. I'm gonna do whatever I need to do to maintain the perfect record. Right? Absolutely. And you get when you get sucked into trying to appease what everybody else wants you to be that's when you lose. And I think only the greatest realize and understand that realize and understand that you can't, uh, you can't please everybody, but not only that, not only that, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's not that you, you, not only that you can't please everybody, but Uh that's part of it. 
and you're okay with that. Yeah. You can sit in being hated and you can keep doing work knowing that people hate you, knowing people are plotting on you. Especially if you win it. That, <laughs> you know what I'm like, that's motivating yeah. to a very select few amount of people, right? That is and very true. Yeah, and it's understanding that it's your own ego that drives that to a certain to to a certain degree, but then also your own insecurities. Yeah, and you tap into those and you lean into those, and those who are able to do it, I think, are able to maximize uh, maximize their output, become most productive, get to very high levels of what other people would deem as success. But you know, most people don't get there, so everyone has an uninformed opinion on what it takes to maintain it let alone get there. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside looking in, obviously playing, you know, the receiver position in American football is using your hands. And yep. then obviously soccer is you not using your hands. It's, it's all your footwork. So what about the game of soccer drew you closer? To, and, and by the way, before I finish this question, I know your mm-hmm. birthday's coming up. So happy birthday, by the way, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, yeah definitely. Happy birthday. I should have said that earlier. But anyway, uh, what it got about the game of soccer uh, that led you, uh, that, that gravitated you to just, you know, that sport? Got you. Okay. So, so on, on both sides of it, I was giving a little bit of background as to how my approach and how I'm, uh, I'm looking at it, right? I always wanted to play American football. I really enjoyed it and I liked it. But I came from a time when people only saw physical attributes as determining whether or not you can be successful at the game or not. Right. So I was, I was 4'11", 100 pounds my freshman year of high school. <laughs> okay, right? there you go. So, yeah, so, and I was trying out for the, the football team. I'd made the football team. And um, I was playing receiver. Um, and I, what I loved most about football is you don't have to have any previous understanding of the game to be the <laughs> best person on the field the moment you show up. It's just purely <laughs> athleticism, Right. So I really uh, enjoyed I don't, it. I don't know if I fully agree with that, but continue down your path. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. This is what I'm telling you. Uh, at least at that level, right? We're talking about not, not the engineering. Yeah, so that level. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking about me at, what, 13 years old, freshman year of high school, right? And for me, when I'm showing up, that's the first time I'm playing right. the game. And I realize and understand that athleticism is a hugely advantageous attribute at that level. Right. Okay. So when I'm looking at it, I'm going like, well, I've never watched it. I don't understand how it works. No one's teaching me it. But I I'm one of the best players on the on the on the team at the time. And I really who doesn't like that? What kid wouldn't like that at that time? Right. right. But what I also understood was that I do not I do not have the size that coaches are looking for to give opportunities. Like I said, I was four eleven, hundred pounds. <laughs> so I played for I played for the two years. But I had realized, like, I'm not going to be able to take this very far because physically I there's too many things that I'm having to overcome. And only as you get older, these guys get bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's no guarantee that I'm going to get any bigger. So when you're asking me that, that's where I'm going, like, all right, I need to lean more into soccer because that's that suits my physical, my physical traits right. at the time. Though I did enjoy playing football, I'd say maybe more than I enjoyed soccer at the time. Nice. Um, it does that to you. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a it's a great sport, you know, and, and I'm biased, so. But uh, I am as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, really quick, want to get into some of your playing days through college. So you played soccer. You know, you went on after making that decision to go full tilt with soccer. Uh, you went to UC Davis and uh, became a Hall of Famer. So, um, how was that? Um, 
you know, process going to school and being recruited, you know, growing up in the California area. You were uh, born in Bakersfield, California, correct? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Bakersfield, California. I guess I give the the condensed version that I can. I I uh, I played soccer in high school. I had very, you know, I had good stats, and but my the the limit of my understanding of how to get recruited and play in college was just you play good and someone gives you a scholarship <laughs> offer. That's just how I thought it worked. Right. Um, I wasn't getting any offers, so I just assumed I wasn't good enough at soccer to play. So my 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 plan was I had got into UC Berkeley academically. And I had the pole vaulting record at high school, so I was going to go and try on for walk on for the track and field team. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the last tournament of my last game of my club soccer career, when we were down in Southern California, I think it was San Diego Nomads tournament, where uh, two college coaches were recruiting a year out. So I'm, I'm African, I'm Nigerian, so I started school pretty uh, pretty young. I think I was a 16 year old senior. So <laughs> wow. the, the coaches Jeez. were were recruiting a year out. Right. Uh, the opponents. Um, and I happened, I, I guess I had a good game and both the coaches had asked who I was and where I was going to school and everyone had let them know, like, he's not planning on going to school. No one's recruited him. Um, and he's a senior. Uh, they had both brought me on a recruiting trip in that. And from that, they offered me a scholarship. So I picked UC Davis because academically um, it was the better of the two. And I was going to school for pre-med. So the goal was maybe to go to medical school, but okay. the real my mind was to figure out a business venture that would allow me to not have to go to medical school. So <laughs> there you go. So, Switch it yes, up on them. Yeah. So that was my, my, my thought, but I figured, you know, worst case scenario, if I don't figure it out, it's not a bad fallback plan to become a doctor. Uh, and I'm, for my Nigerian, yeah, for my Nigerians <laughs> out there, they understand. So You're that's where I was going to go. Talk. You brought, so that is a definite question because that is, a real so two questions on that how was it growing up and playing sports you know was it like okay in a nigerian household like yeah you could play sports as long as you keep your grades and then when you said you know hey i want to be a professional soccer player and not a doctor <laughs> or engineer or what's what's the three a doctor engineer and doctor, engineer or lawyer or lawyer those are the only three professions according to nigerians nothing absolutely. else absolutely <laughs> so, I mean, so how was that conversation when you said, you know, tell, you, tell your parents you want to be a professional soccer player? Um, not too, <laughs> I would say it wasn't too difficult because I know it was probably very difficult for my dad, right? Okay. Like very difficult, but not too difficult in the sense that I think my dad had seen that I'm okay. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like, when I left the house, I left the house and I'm like, in my mind, I go, I, I know what I'm needing to do and I know what I need to build for. And, um, you know, being the firstborn in Nigerian Igbo culture is, you know, there's a lot of responsibility that's associated with that. And right. I, I really like, I, I really embrace that. So I think it was most difficult for my dad in terms of, you know, hold on, wait, you're going to sign very non-lucrative uh, professional soccer contract uh, rather than go on to medical school mm-hmm. you know and at that time 2000 so it's basically a $34,000 a year yearly semi-guaranteed contract mm-hmm. was what I was offered that was my first contract and at that time I mean we could go into detail as to how ridiculously uh, <laughs> yeah, that's illegal <laughs> those contracts were we had at, at that time right but but what what I, I told my dad is I had I looked at it and I said, look, dad, I'm, I'm seeing the level of the legends at this level right now. And I very firmly believe that I could play in this league for 10 years 
on a minimum contract, there will be a team who finds me. Wow. Or okay. who wants me. And I'm looking at it more as I only have to really commit two hours of my time a day to this. So it's a full-time entry-level salary for two hours of time commitment a day. So I can allocate the other 10 hours of my workday. You had to, to pitch it. Ideas, <laughs> myself and doing stuff like that. You so, had to pitch it yeah. and sell that to Pops. <laughs> Listen, selling a, selling a, a, a first-generation immigrant Nigerian man, you know, who's firstborn – like my sales skills, I had to develop them early. Early you know, boy. I, yeah, if I wanted any type of freedom, oh man, you're making me think of all. Oh my god. Firstborn and only son. Yeah, he was he was on you. <laughs> oh, oh, and then my, and then my mom was. <laughs> my dad's a, so I always talked about my parents like I was perfectly parented because my my parents like. Uh, my mom was born and raised in Superior, Montana. My dad was born and raised in Nowhere, Nigeria. Right, so like. It was a it was a <laughs> learning to survive in the cultural differences in that oh, in that world of two very focused, hardworking individuals who are laser focused on me, right? And going like, and I have a lot of ideas and vision and energy. My dad, I'd like to say, my dad was a CEO. He's a visionary. You know, he's the one raising the money, getting the money. And my mom was the COO. Their operations every day, just like <laughs> holding me accountable. And there's, if there's the only person who's ever beat me or I'll ever admit has beat me in life is my mom, right? Like, uh, I give so much credit to how much energy and focus and dedication she had to, I mean, I was not easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she was there every single day teaching me, teaching me the value of discipline before I understood what it was and why it was so important. Right. And I'm so grateful for that because that is what I preach so much. Like someone like myself, when you don't have the experience of seeing the results of discipline, right. you're going like, hey, why this? Why that? Why this? No one can talk me through why not this. I just think everybody's <laughs> lying to me. but And they are. But I can't prove, <laughs> but I can't prove them wrong yet. So I'm dedicated to doing the work necessary so that I could hopefully prove them wrong in the future. Right. And uh, once I'd made that connection, then I was able to go like, okay, I see, I see, I see why my parents look at it the way that they do, understanding the world that they came from, and further understanding that the world I grew up in uh, was very different in many ways, but mm -hmm. very similar in others. So. Um, Oh, this is good. You guys, you guys are getting me to <laughs> peel back those layers, yeah, man. Up. Absolutely. Yeah. Use the word allocate. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you know, definitely just because it is, it's two parts to why I want to ask this question and please, you know, open up as much or pull back as many layers with having your father as first generation, man. And with what um, people are working to do, and we have some mutual friends that are dealing with this, but um, you know, the stop SARS, man, are, are, is your family and extended family, his family, how are they doing? Um, is there anything that you want to say or educate people on uh, is, uh, about that situation? So for, so for me, I, I'm, I have to be honest when I say I haven't, I haven't gotten as deeply, um, invested and researched in that as I would under normal circumstances. So I don't know how much we'll get into it, but a lot of my focus and energy has been on uh, building and um, growing the BPC organization, so Black Players for Change. Right. Um, you know, it's the first black-led, player-led organization in the history of like U.S. soccer. 
So, um, so I do have many of my family members back home. Um, there's just, there's one, there's already levels of difficulty in figuring out how to manage those relationships from a distance and yes. trying to provide opportunity and creating that. And right. then now coupling that on top of it with like the pandemic and, and now with, uh, what you've just mentioned, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult I mean, it's already difficult, but it's hard to fully. No, it's it definitely has multiple layers, right? Yes. Um, when yes. you're looking at, it's already a difficult situation, right? Just in, in itself. And then you add the layer of the distance and being able to have a foot on the ground. And, and you know, the, the problem you always have with these, even, you know, like when we had hurricane relief, people weren't trusting the Red Cross. Right. So you have where your money goes, who's doing what with the money. And then, like you said, you throw COVID on top. It's, it's, it's really difficult. So let's jump into in your career. Right. So um, you're, you're here with our hometown lights. So um, glad you're definitely here, but I want to stick with this topic since you brought it up and then we'll get more into, um, just your experiences playing, but you did create the, uh, the, the coalition that you just spoke on, which is amazing. Cause we posted on our social as well, that MLS is really, um, putting forth a huge effort to change the dynamic of uh, major league soccer, um, with not only working with the coalition you created, but doing some things as far as coaching jobs and, and looking in their front office. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a, a collective a collective effort of the twelve executive board members who came together, right? Um, man, uh, I guess the this best way to describe it more is, um, you know, in the U.S. soccer system, obviously as a professional athlete, you're you have your team and your network, but you're you're in it alone mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, right? And uh, being black men, you also are trying your best to not allow your race to be the reason why you're, you're limited in opportunities or chances or whatever. Like, I think I was just on a, uh, I was doing an interview the other day and I was, I was really expressing to the audience, like, look, I don't want race to be the reason why I don't have an opportunity. Right. So I'm for every reason other than race, I'm doing every other job, every other thing I could possibly develop skill so that I can, even if it's the smallest thing, just so I can be like, ah, oh, you know what? I, I didn't introduce myself properly at the beginning of it. You know what I mean? That's why all which, the other stuff. Which part so, of that, which is great. I think that's an amazing outlook, but it sucks that we have to do that though too, right? Like we are always the, well, I believe I, I form the same kind of process, right? Like I want to make sure I check off everything else other than me being black before, you know, I look at an opportunity or look at a situation. So, and it's a shame that we have to do that, but yeah, I understand. I, I can relate to that. Okay, and no, and no, and I appreciate you you saying that because it's, and and I, I say that to set context in terms of because a lot of people are saying like oh the race card the race card I'm going like I I don't want to play that I, I I don't want to, and and if I get to a point where I feel like that's the reason why then I don't even play it because I don't I don't want to even give it that value I don't even want to give it that you know what I mean I I don't even want to breathe life into that right for me I. There's other opportunities. There's other people. There's other things. I'm not going to, con if, if I think race is my limiting reason or factor, then I'll find another or I'll build for myself. I'll build my own and create for those who, who, um, who look like me and those who support and elevate those who look like me. Right. Uh, having said that, it's not until, you know, the recent events with um, uh, George Floyd where the black uh, player pool 
comes together and galvanizes around that event and gets to a point where they're angry and they want to they want to take action they want to do something right they they want to protest and i say i say they because at this time i'm in my free agency year um i'm not under contract all the uh, of the 12 executive board members i was the i was the only one who isn't in the mls under mls contract the other 11 so I'm speaking, they, we, so I'm yeah. acknowledging. <laughs> it's all um, good. All good. Okay. So um, you can tell I've been I'm doing this for a while, right? Now. Right. <laughs> you, you cover very PC across it, making sure yeah. you, you dot all the uh, I's and all that good stuff. Uh, so uh, what was my, my, my point with all that? Uh, oh, what was interesting was we've never had a safe space like that for black people to share their experiences. And once we did, it was the first time where you'd be like, Okay, that's not just me. I'm not crazy. You're experiencing that too. Oh, you've been experiencing it for 10 years, five years, six years. Okay, great. Thank you. Now we have the, the collective data that we need. Absolutely. To point back to substantiate our claims. So now we can actually get in the game. And from there, that's where, uh, that's where, for the, that's where I was brought in by the group because of my experience in you know, uh, part of the MLSPA, uh-huh. uh, just, just, you know, from that perspective. So for me, it was able to kind of pour in all of kind of like my IP from all the experiences that I've had over time as to how I've been taken advantage of or how uh, we can be taken advantage of and really establish an equitable stake in the game for black people, something that has never happened in U.S. soccer. That's awesome. You know, and. Yeah. And so now I'm, you know, we're, we're seeing how it's unfolding. We're seeing the partnerships that we've, we've come together with. We've seen the, you know, the initial outward support of the league, but I think what's crucially important um, is the outward support and the social media posts and the, the claims of elevation are great, but until there's tangible, actionable contracts in place that are going to hold the league accountable to the things that they're saying, for the long term, you have an old head like me who's cautiously uh, skeptical and um, hopefully doing their part to right. hold the hold these organizations accountable. They're, they've acknowledged that there's discriminatory practices. They've acknowledged there haven't been path, pathways uh, based on how their 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 hiring practices are. So step one is acknowledging it, which is great, but. Uh, and then the talking is the about next plans part. to address it. But now, yes, exactly, being committed with that. So I'll, I'll t- I guess, uh, tying back to what we said in the beginning, understand that not everybody's going to be happy with you all the time, but you're remaining disciplined and focused on what it is that you set out to achieve, why you did it, and and um, getting through those difficult times is uh, is how we do it. Right. Um, yeah. So. And a big part of that, too, is good to see that the MLS has publicly stated that they're looking to do that so it's it's one thing to you know say it on you know in the in the dark but to go out publicly and said these are this is what we're going to do um it allows people to say hey you said you're going to do this and, and check back two to three to four or five years to see what the progress is so kudos to you exactly no thank you how did the uh the partnership work with the you know the black players for change and the players coalition uh with anquan bolden and, and, and cross sports that way yeah so uh when when we uh, originally announced on Juneteenth, we were uh, Black Players Coalition of MLS, right? And then the opportunity with uh, the Players Coalition had reached out to discuss a potential uh, potential partnership and what that would look like, and and the work they had been doing for these last five years in in the the four pillars of social justice that they've been 
they've been um, like very heavily involved in. I think, you know, if, if anyone hasn't already heard the story of how how Malcolm Jenkins got uh, started, I'd definitely go and check that out and hear that. Right. Um, but uh, we could tell and see they're very passionate about what they were doing. And we, we, we greatly understood that they had the infrastructure and the things in place to execute on the things that our group was very passionate about and wanting to get plugged into right away. And we looked at it, in, we look at it in terms of, we want to amplify those who've been doing great work, but maybe haven't had the awareness or the attention or the funding uh-huh. yeah. to push it farther. So that's, we also talked earlier, I said, you got to understand where your ego is in play and your, you know, where your insecurities are. I think our group has been phenomenal at understanding that there are people out there who can do the job better than we can. Our job is to understand the job that they're doing, how they're doing it, and and educate ourselves, and then plug in, amplify, and and push that message. So, so trying to summarize uh, as, <laughs> as as quickly as possible what that relationship was, how we got connected with them so early. Uh, we just saw a lot of synergies. We we yeah. we you know we spent hours hours. Uh, working with them, talking through how it would look, what the expectations were on our side, on their side, um, what our goals were, how we would like to stay autonomous and want to be able to not only do things within MLS, but also outside MLS. And that really allowed us to really maximize, um, you know, our brand, our message and what we're doing. And uh, that's when we were able to, in the partnership with them, that's when we transitioned from Black Players Coalition of MLS into Black Players for Change. And that's how we've been operating since then, and that's allowed us to further uh, secure other partnerships, funding, and continue to hopefully duplicate the model across across sports. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, question for you: Do you think athletes or sports plays too big a role in politics? Uh, no, and and so I, I have my podcast, and I was talking about this on my podcast the other day. Uh, many people are angry that politics are into their sports now and mm-hmm. they're just you know, get politics out of my sports. yeah don't 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 put don't mix and, your politics with my sports that. right like <laughs> people get all in here right and it's really saying like well they're here now because you haven't been doing enough when you're not in front of the tv <laughs> you know so Absolutely. it's it's come into your living room into your sports because you've had the advantage or pri- privilege has such a negative connotation with it right to not have to deal with it. Right. And now you have no choice. Just like I have no choice when I go out into the world, I am black. I'm perceived as black. And that is something I have to be mindful of. And I have to play the game a little bit different than my white counterpart or friend. And I know my white counterpart or friend can tell me like, no, I don't see you as this and everything's (laughs) equal and all the things are fine and everything's okay. And I hear them when they say that. but my experience tells me that's naive to believe because of the personal experiences that I've had, you know? And um, I think where I've been extremely lucky and blessed is I'm biracial, right? Mm-hmm. My father is Nigerian. My mother is German, Native American. And the beauty of that, again, strength and weak, uh, your greatest strength and your greatest <laughs> Right. It's okay, is I you know, I know what the experience is like when I'm walking in the store as a young kid with my white mother. And I know what the experience is like when I'm walking in the store with my black father. And they're not the same, you know, and, <laughs> at all. I and you can comprehend that, that at a young age. And you, you know that. Right. 
and you learn that young. Uh-huh, and what yeah. I learned was, oh, I know my dad. My dad's the smartest man I've ever met in my life. Hmm, people don't talk to him with the same level of respect, and Facts. you know, as as my mother. That's weird. What is that? <laughs> oh, okay, wait, hold on. You know what's really weird? I'm noticing that like they talk to me like in the middle. What is that? <laughs> and then you're looking, you're like, ah, okay, ah, that's how it works here in America. Everything here is built on race, and race is a huge fabric of how this came together. Right. But nobody talk about it. We pretend that it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Um, so, like, it's basically like we're in denial of our own history because we're ashamed of it. Um, and and there's multiple layers to it and from my perspective, especially in my experiences with certain things. But I say that in terms of with white individuals in my experience, you're black, which means you have all the negative stereotypes that come along with being a black person. Mm-hmm. But on the same vein, with my black uh my black people and black experience, you have all the negative connotations of, of white individuals. So you're sitting here getting the the worst of both worlds, oh, yeah. right? You're getting blamed on both sides and you're basically in the middle saying like, well, I can see, you know, <laughs> where you're right and wrong and where you're right and wrong and you're we're right in the middle. So I feel like I'm a, my job is to be like an, an interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, what I am and and I I uh yeah no, that, I've been I'm very <laughs> grateful sense. for yeah I'm very grateful for the position I was born into. Yeah. Right? I was born in America. Uh and I was also able to go to Nigeria at when was that? Six no nah, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Nine years old. And I could see my cousins in person <laughs> back home. And you're you're looking at oh in in one day they do more physical work and more physical labor than you'll do here in America in, in a month. Facts. One thousand. Right? Super facts. <laughs> and the level of their 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 ability to like take minimal of anything and make do and make the best of it, right? No, unparalleled. So when I'm coming back here at nine years old, I'm in my room and I remember I was like, holy crap, my room is as big as the you know. Yeah. The, the, the room my dad yeah came from. Wow, I have air conditioning. I have a bus to take me to school. Yeah. And for me, that's where I was that's where um that's where I, I became fully self-aware, you know, at nine. And that's where I was able to then go like, oh, okay. And I it. made a decision. I said, I'm never gonna tell my dad that anything I do is too difficult because I know it's a lie. Well, there you I go. So talking about difficult. So you had a major injury that took you out the game and then uh, you fought back in the game. And tell us about that experience and, and what it was like to go through that to actually become the MLS comeback player of the year. Oh, OK. okay. Well, that would be my second stint at it. So when I think oh, when I was like okay. 13 years old or 12, 12 or 13, I, I broke my femur playing okay. soccer. OK, so. I got kicked in the leg. I was in a straight leg cast for about a year. Uh-huh. And um, that would probably be the first time where you have a, a doctor, you know, a professional individual who's telling you like, oh, you might never like play again or walk again and all right. this, that and the other. And my career is a, a, essentially over, dead, right? At 13 years old. Mm-hmm. 12, I, I can't remember when it was. <laughs> no yeah, like uh, during that time. And then you come, I came back from that and then, you know, here I am at college and I go pro and now I get to, um, I'm with San Jose earthquakes. Um, 
I signed, you know, my, the largest contract of my career. I was my own representing agent. I negotiated that deal. Oh, boy. Um, there you go. All I, right. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, say that lot again. Of say that again. Let the, for the people in the back, say yeah, that again. Say that again. Yes. Well, so we could probably talk about that. I had <laughs> my initial, uh, oh, okay, so. This is great. Sorry. So <laughs> my experiences with agents and learning how the agency world works, I didn't like not knowing how the business worked and functioned. And most agents wouldn't teach me. So then I said, whatever, I'll just do it myself. Right. Right. So that's where I started doing research and figuring out and learning that. So if you're wanting to see how a contract negotiation or at least that previous deal of mine worked, you can just go to perfectsoccerskills.com slash contract. And uh, I removed the names and stuff of it, but you can see the back and forth in terms of how I how negotiated that deal. Because mm-hmm. um, for me, it's access to information is why we haven't had the opportunities and we haven't had an equitable stake in the game. So for me, every step of the way that I've learned something, I've shared it with the entire player pool and everybody, just like I'm doing it here now. And that's probably why most of the individuals at the top aren't too particularly happy with me. Most <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so at that time, and reflecting back on it now as well, too, that was the hardest time for me in my career because I'd always played with a chip on my shoulder okay. and I was motivated to uh, secure a large contract so that I could fund the business ideas I had that nobody would give me the money to do. Ah, there so you I, go. Had, I, had, I had the motivation and the passion to get there. Uh-huh. Then I secured the contract and I had it. And now I could fully see like half the stuff I'm doing and how I'm playing is dumb. Because <laughs> I'm just risking, you know what I mean? I'm risking everything. Right. Um, and it, it's, so it was, it was trying to recalibrate my world at that point in time. And before I really could, then I, I blow up my, my knee. So oh. in that, that game, I uh, ACL, LCL, bicep femoris, popliteus tendon, and IT band all, um, just from a hyperextension. So my, I went in for a cross in the box. I landed with my straight leg. The goalkeeper was jumping past me. My leg was straight and just snapped through my leg. And excruciating pain. It was oh. not pleasant, right? But uh, I was – I remember I'm laying there on the ground, and I, and I, and I, I start laughing to myself. Oh, and, boy. Uh, I'm laughing because I go, all right, Quincy, let's see if you really believe all this BS <laughs> So I saw the irony in it in the moment, and I thought it was pretty funny, uh, <laughs> which I, don't, I have a pretty twisted sense of humor, obviously. Obviously. And, yeah, so I was, yeah, I was laughing to myself. I was telling the people, don't touch me because it was excruciating pain, uh-huh. right? but I was laughing. laughing to myself because I said, all right, well, at least, at least you, get, you have something now to prove to yourself that you believe what you're saying. You really mean it. Right. So now I had an opportunity and yeah. And, and that's where it came. So doctors basically at that time, I'm with 30 at that time, 29, Mm -hmm. 29, uh, 29 turning 30. Um, you know, they're thinking the whole organization is basically saying his career. So his knee's gone. His, his knee's gone. I could, we could even feel my hamstring rolling up my leg. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, they're saying, you know, (laughs) 18 months back if you know if you're lucky you know and uh i worked with some you know with you know d law shout out my boy d law and then uh uh worked with the 
guys over at Competitive Edge, and uh-huh. I was back on the field in seven months. I think is when I was back. Man, why? Why was that not your shoot your shot moment? Because <laughs> I mean, damn, to come back from all of that. First of all, to start off laughing at the shit. <laughs> that's a whole other story. But to come oh. out and, and just you know overcome all of that to come back, and then not just to to come back and play. That's one thing to like. <laughs> Win the comeback player of the year, yeah. man. That's but hey, we got to keep it rolling. So, um, Miles is about to hit you with some of these quick hits. So, quick hit sponsored by Thick Fit. When it comes to your health, it starts in the kitchen. Uh, Thick Fit Meal Prep is here to help you along the journey. They provide healthy and delicious meals that are easy on the go, fitting any and everyone's lifestyle. Call them at 702 850 3388 or follow them on Instagram, Thick Fit Meal Prep. Hit them with them. Quiz, first time you were starstruck, if ever. Oh, I haven't been. Okay. All right. Oh, uh, uh, oh no, wait, wait. Oh, you mean in professional sports and stuff? I haven't. First time I was starstruck was when I saw my wife on A2 at UC Davis, and I told uh, Tiffany that that's my wife. Oh, okay. That's when I was starstruck. You just Dang. got some brownie points, boy. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and then my wife's going to be on my head. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Uh, shout out to uh, your favorite teammate in the professional spot room. Oh, that's that's so hard, man. Come on, bro. That is I have so many favorite teammates for different different reasons. Like so Give me one. Give me give me give me one of your, your favorites. Just if you can I'm name one. A couple. One, I'll say I'll say Wayne Wayne was one of my favorites because he was the first guy that I met who I was like, Yeah, you're crazy like me. I we yeah. You, <laughs> I don't get it. His humor was like mine, right? Like that <laughs> twisted dark humor. So sure. on that, uh, Danny, who's in, spent a massive amount of time with in San Jose. Right. Uh, um, uh, Ryan Johnson, my rookie season. Um, uh, <laughs> man, all, all the guys on Colorado Rapids. Shout <laughs> out everybody. Shout out Colorado. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a journeyman, right? I've been at multiple organizations, played for multiple teams. I've had hundreds and hundreds of teammates. Right. And what keeps me going is uh, what keeps me going is the characters in the locker rooms and the relationships I build with these guys. And that's nice. why I started doing the vlog when I was at San Jose. Cause I was like, I, the world can't not know how dumb these guys are. <laughs> is that when you started doing a, a hashtag Quincy time? That's the love so yeah, Quincy, well, Quincy time was when I'd started in Chicago with the oh, okay. Chicago fire. <laughs> Sean Johnson, Mike McGee, Alec can everybody shout out Eunice Kim. Uh, Jeff Crandall, Leo Flores, they they believed in me and they took a chance. Uh, basically, in preseason, I showed up to them and I I, I I called a board meeting with our with our media team and I was <laughs> business said like on the board I said I know I'm a no name and nobody knows me and I played only 299 minutes last year but I guarantee I'm gonna get a starting spot this year. Don't worry about that. I'm gonna make that happen. <laughs> this is this is the show I want to do uh-huh. and this is how I want it to be. And they were just like. All right, yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a huge shout out to them. So Quincy Times where that started, and then when I went, ended up back in San Jose, um, that's when I started doing the vlog. Got you. Yeah. Uh, last one. Yeah. Wayne Rooney, without the hair, or Wayne Rooney with the hair? You start one or bench one? <laughs> <laughs> I, as I a man know. that's losing my hair, I had to ask this. Oh I had to. shit. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, I don't know. I guess. I guess with. Uh, well, he has hair. 
You're saying like he there was a got, time where he didn't have as much hair as we put it that way. <laughs> oh, I didn't know, all right, well, I didn't know that. I was like, wait, he has hair. Like, I don't know what uh, without uh, oh, uh would, like he went bald at some time or what? Yeah, there, there was a time. Okay, there was a time, there was a <laughs> so time. See, with hair because that's when I met him. All right, gotcha. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the winner's circle, man. We have a lot to go over here because um, you, you're part Jamaican, even though you're Nigerian, with all the jobs and negotiating your own contract. But the winner's circle is uh, sponsored by Nevada Grow. Um, Nevada Grow is providing the right data, the right decisions, and the right connections to grow uh, small businesses here in Nevada. So let's start off with um, your GOAT mentality. Um, I think you really been very cerebral and that's one of the strong points that a lot of people talk about like reading and looking at your films people just talk about and you as well talk about how mentally strong you are so what is um that business-minded uh goat development uh program okay so the uh, the quick pitch is if you want to understand the so it's basically the americor process is a seven-step mentality process starts with the first three steps of uh are the three S's of self-awareness, so self-honesty, self-initiative, self-accountability. Um, I do a talk in my teammate Bill Hamid's camp, so shout out Bill Hamid, uh, perfectsoccerskills.com slash SSS or quincyameriquois.com slash SSS, and you can listen to that where I, I break it down fully because it takes more than like a couple minutes <laughs> to break down the top. Yes, that makes but sense. That, yeah, but that, yeah, but that mentality was more so coming from the perspective uh, Coming from the perspective or understanding that everything we see in the world started in someone's mind at some point in time, right? So, mm. so because we know that that's true, you can manifest, you can you can create whatever you want in the world. You just have to break it down into its most basic parts in your mind, and then work in the physical world to to build that. So, you know, uh, building it from there. And wow. for me. What I realized when really contemplating and thinking about what was critical in my ability to to become successful or get to a level of proficiency at, at the professional level was self-awareness. And I spent a long time figuring out how do you create the experience of self-awareness? And, and I touched on it where I, you know, I went to Nigeria at, at nine and I got to see what uh, poverty looks like. I got to see what lack of opportunity looks like. I got to see what work looks like. And when I'm coming back to America, that's where I have a perspective of seeing like, wow, the opportunity around us is like infinite. It's just your ability to understand it when you see it right. and then know what to do. So, so being becoming self-aware is something that everyone is capable of doing, but you might not become self-aware if you don't have access to the experience. Gotcha. So for me, I was going like, how can you think your way to self-awareness? And that's where I started. And give them so, the steps. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's kind of like the foundation and the bedrock of it. And then from there, you'll now have a new pers uh, perspective on reality, mm -hmm. which now allows you to gain experiences and process information in a way you've never been able to before. And then that's where you can self-reflect and now build. And it, it allows you, no matter where you're at and what you don't have around you, right, to at least start building somewhere. you got to build something in your mind. You need to have something some foundation uh -huh. and assess your environment and then figure out how you build your way out of whatever circumstances you're in. And nice. um, yeah, that's kind of, that's the mentality. Talk about perfect soccer recruit.com. I think you touched on building and, and on your own recruiting process. So talk about that, that business venture. 
So uh, Perfect Soccer Recruit, so you see right now it's PerfectSoccerSkills.com. It, it started out originally as PerfectSoccerRecruit.com. Got it. When um, I, I touched on my story, I, I didn't understand the recruiting process. I happened to get lucky to get recruited. Uh, once I got to the college level, I realized there's this whole world of recruiting and there's whole all these, all these, had I known what, knowing what I learned once I got there, had I known in the beginning, I would have, I believe I would have had many more, more recruitment offers, a lot yeah. more money and yep. all that kind of stuff. And that's, of that's a really big thing. I mean, we always talked about that even in the locker room. We actually brought in a recruiting specialist. Um, she was more on the lines of uh, football. But I, I think even us going back through our own individual recruiting process, if we would have known just a few things, it would have helped yep. us out a, a lot. So kudos to you to um, going through that and saying, yo, this was um, a hole or, or missed opportunity, and here's how I can help. Uh, and and so so I, I feel like you get lucky once, but I won't get lucky again, right? I'm right. gonna I won't make I'll make a mistake once, but I'm not gonna make the same mistake again. So I go through college now, pros and uh, an opportunity. Um, I played my first year. I get traded to Colorado Rapids. That's where I meet Ross LeBeau, right? And I learn uh, Ross LeBeau's uh, story. And when I talk to him, his recruiting process started because he was proactive with his mom. So he's from the South Side of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm not even going to say the name of the street because I don't remember what it is and I'll butcher it. But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he started working with his mom to write letters to coaches early, right? So he was super proactive. By the time he was a senior, he had 25 plus recruitment offers and he he ultimately went to UVA. So when he shared that with me, I was, you know, my business mind, entrepreneurial mind was like, yo, that's a business. That's a book. We need (laughs) to write it, you know? Oh, and And that's where the book came from. Yes. So the first book was the Ultimate College Soccer Recruiting Blueprint. So extremely original title. Uh, <laughs> Very <so>. creative. <laughs> yes, extremely creative, right? We're trying to hit all these SEO things. Right. Like, when, this is when I first started out. You don't really know. You know? That, that was before you had uh, EVLV, where you had the creative branch that could have helped you with that, right? <laughs> yes, that's before we built EVLV. But we, we built EVLV because of all these mistakes and the things that we learned over time. So, right. uh I, I basically I was just saying like, yo, Ross, I'm the total case study for what you shouldn't do, mm-hmm. and you're the total case study for what you should do. Let's put these together. And I said, if you work with me to write the book, I'll build the business. I'll do all the work. I'll do all that stuff to bring it together. And wow. and he he worked with me to get that first book. And then from there, we wrote the uh, the the perfect soccer player blueprint. That's dope. Um, we've written the ultimate uh, call, uh, goalkeeper blueprint. And then we built the entire platform into what it is right now, perfectsoccerskills.com uh, slash PSTM. You get access to all of our webinars, training, books, tools, resources, weekly training programs, and and more. Man, you got the roadmap laid out for them, don't you? Yeah. Blueprint. <laughs> there you go. All right, so talk to us a little bit about always in your head, right? So in your videos, on your background, you know, that you have right now, on your social posts, see the little little smiley face guy with the arrows and the two fingers pointing to his head. Where did that come from, and, and what's that all about? Uh, so, <laughs> as he laughs, I love this. This is a good story. So yeah, so my brand, uh, my brand is MSL. I'm in your head, right? So Mental Strength League. Um, like I said before, the BPC, there had never been a black organization in the history of U.S. soccer, right? So, but there was a lot of people who said that racism isn't a thing and it's not impeding or limiting your opportunities <laughs> in the school as well, too. So they'd say both. Right. Um, so you, it requires a high level of mental strength, right? 
to navigate this system and and the old boys club that is the U.S. soccer system. <laughs> and like I like I said, I got a chip on my shoulder, and I don't like people putting me in a box or defining who I am for myself. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm in the MLS, but I really play the MSL. You know, so um, it's kind of a the play on words. And you know, when you, we're early on in our careers, um, you know, and we're we're we fly com- we fly commercially, right? And we're wearing our our Chicago, Chicago Fire gear, or and people say, "Oh, you guys are you guys are firefighter, you, you know what I mean? You guys firefighters and stuff like the Pal yeah, League, that, <laughs> the Firefighter <laughs> League." Yeah, are you guys a college team and that like, there's a lot of stuff that we early OGs right had to just like is part of the course. You know, it's MSL. You know, MSL, MSL, and that's just uh, it's a reminder that you know. No excuses. Figure it out. Get it done. And I'm in your head because I'm saying MSL. I'm shouting MSL. I'm embracing the haters. I'm embracing the negativity. I'm embracing the fact that you don't want me to be here. You don't want to give me an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You're doing everything you can to keep me out, to tear me down, to remove me. But that means I'm in your head. You know I'm in your head. I'm in your head rent free. You're you're thinking about me. And you wish I wasn't there, but it's too late. It's too late. I'm here. Will you have a flashback? So was yeah. it Zlatan? Was his name the the dude from the LA Galaxy? Will you have flashbacks of him? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let me check my pocket and see if he's come out to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just chilling. He's oh, just you, still chilling in my pocket. So you you like, own him, huh? <laughs> you got you own that one. <laughs> yeah, the is free. So like, so here's a stat for you. A hundred percent of the time. So okay. So last year. Uh, this guy said he was the MLS, right? That's what he said. He shouted that from, oh, well, I'm MLS and all that. And so I said, okay, well, I'm MSL, so we'll see what happens when, when, when we meet? play against uh-huh. each other. He's six, whatever, you know what I mean? And then I'm marking him on corners like a small child. He's running <laughs> off into the side, scared. He doesn't know what he's looking at. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yo, what's up? Everyone told me you're supposed to be super good and all this stuff, but not impressed. So – MSL is greater than MLS because, you know, he said he was MLS. I'm Damn. MSL. Shut him down. And people who like stats out there, 100% of the time, he lost to me. So that's a fact. So <laughs> Boom. Fact. 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 People can be, yeah, people can be super mad about that. Uh, well, you haven't played over here. Played the, yeah, but I played him once. I beat him. Uh, I don't need to play everywhere else because I already beat him. Who cares? Doesn't matter. I I'm in your head. MSL. There it is. MSL. All right. So, so uh Two other quick things. So, one, your hustle started at a very early age, man. Were you loaning books and selling <laughs> selling uh, for people to play video games? You know, broke the jail, broke the video games, and yeah, broke somebody's <laughs> controller too. Pressing <laughs> break, X, pressing X on people's controller, <laughs> uh, selling candy. Like <laughs> you, uh, and that selling candy kind of spoke to me because that was my hustle too when I was okay. little. <laughs> Except I didn't have a Costco card, man, so I had to go to the local corner store to get my hustle on. But um, it started early, and was that just the entrepreneurial spirit that just kind of grew in you because? You know, you do soccer as a uh, in a means to an end, but your your vision is a lot bigger than that. So, did you freeze yeah, on me? Uh, oh yeah, I was <laughs> so your 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 vision is a lot bigger than that. So, how have you developed that? You know, coming through and just um, through your career and now. Ooh, okay. So, the way I approached it like you said, kind of was a means to an end. That was, uh, that was not, 
that created a lot of issues and problems for me and ones that I didn't understand because I couldn't understand why other people didn't approach it that way. Mm. Right. I, I understand now. (laughs) I learned a lot lot of lessons, right. As to, uh, how, what I was doing was seen as disrespectful in like the culture of soccer, but I didn't know soccer culture. I didn't know it. I never watched pro on TV. I didn't have a player that I followed or looked up to. It was just like, I was given an opportunity to come and try out for a pro team. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So then I'm there and all the guys are talking to me about their favorite players and premier league and world <laughs> cup. And I'm, they're looking at me and I'm just basically just blank staring them in the face. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't care. <laughs> and they can see on my face that I don't care. But that's like, that's like their idol. You know what I mean? Like right, they're, yeah. they're like super disrespectful, but I'm just like, uh, Why is it disrespectful? Because I don't, I didn't watch this guy when I was eight years old. Like, <laughs> I don't care. You know, Wayne <laughs> Rooney without I, the hair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something I didn't get. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't get it, and because I didn't get it, a lot of stuff was way harder on me than it, it ever had to be. Sure. But I had to figure out how to survive. And what, you know, and that's why, you know, I became my own agent. I became my own marketing agency. I had to learn social media. I had to figure out how to do uh, Quincy time and shows like that. So people could get to know who I am and what I really stand for and how I think instead of like pigeonholing me in these backdoor conversations, which is what politics of sport is, you know, creating your own narrative. So that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you'd ask in terms of like that vision is just like, I knew I had a strong belief that. Yeah, I just had a strong belief that I was doing it for the right reasons mm-hmm. and the work would pay off eventually. Well, hey, and, and that's it. And, it's yeah, and that, that was kind of it. And I think also for me, it's just going, like I told you, I made the decision at nine. Like I can never tell my dad that something's too difficult because I know it's a lie. I can figure it out. There you go. <laughs> it, yeah. So like I created this, you know, I talk about the MSL as a game of 4D uh, mental chess, right? Like I, I I created a 4D game of chess where I'm having to beat my future. I have to beat my past self to create my future self. Mm -hmm. And a decision I made at nine years old is what I'm still holding myself accountable to. So it's like almost like, you know, there's good and bad in that. It's there's ups and downs and ebbs and flows. But I think, yeah, I think that that spirit came from, you know, my father and my mother. Culturally, it's just like you will working hard is not an option. It's ingrained in you. Yeah, sticking to what you say you're going to do is not an option. You know, getting educated is not an option. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, doing what you want to do is not an option unless you can prove, prove that you can on your own. So it's like you have very limited pathways. Frank, <laughs> work with me. And if I want to have my freedom, you know what I mean? I got to be good at everything. I can't come out here making the claims that I'm making. Saying, speaking with this, you know, arrogance, as some people would say, confidence as other people, mm-hmm. and not be able to back up what it is that I'm saying. Facts. I can't do, you can't do that and be black because you, you know what I mean? You quick, everyone's looking to humble you. Everyone wants to prove you wrong. So like, yes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I'm not saying all this because that's a word. I'm making it up. But if you think I am, I don't care because the truth is true, whether you believe it or not, MSL, I'm in your head. 
<laughs> the truth is truth. I like that. All right, man. So time flies when you're having fun. Well, we're coming close to the end of the show. So how we like to end it is called the assist. Um, this is where you get to drop um, uh, an assist or a jewel. And I mean, just everything you've been doing, you know, has definitely been providing, you know, some, some life lessons. But share a life philosophy with us, a quick story. We, um, we got about a minute left. So give us a jewel that you would like to drop or something you would tell your younger self. Could be a quote, your mantra, uh, anything like that. See, I'll quote myself because I like this one and I've li been living <laughs> recently. Right? So you make mistakes, I make magic. Ooh. Uh, oh, fire. I like that's where we end in that. Yeah, that's a light skin quote. <laughs> Hold on, man. <laughs> see, there he go. I love y'all, man. I love y'all. I, right? I love y'all. It's always one. I love y'all, man. It's always one. I love y'all. And shout out to the Frugal Athlete shirt. Uh, shout out to yes, Moby. Yes, sir. Uh, that's the homie Moby, man. I, 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 I see he's rocking his gear, man. A fellow soccer guy. So I see how y'all stick together. I love y'all, man. Yeah, there you go. I like that. I'm glad you guys are already knowing about his brand, man. This man's been on his hustling grind for, for years. You guys, make sure you check out a Frugal Athlete. Uh, man's has been just... Hustling, fellow Nigerian, you know yeah. what I mean? Out here, uh, putting a lot of players up on just financial literacy game, and uh, <laughs> always, always happy to you know support my fellow brothers. So check there out a Google athlete if you guys haven't already. All right, and we're gonna get you some black and sports gear as well. That's so dope, hey, hey, thank you, man. We really appreciate you. Appreciate thank you, it, Katie. We thank her for her help on this. Uh, thank Brett Lashbrook. You know, he definitely recommends you. And also JM, uh, Jordan, who's been on the show. They definitely uh, reached out and said to get you on the show. So appreciate having you. Thank you to all of our sponsors. And, of course, thank you to people for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us on Black and Sports on all your favorite social media platforms. And uh, follow us on Black and Sports Podcasts on all of your pl podcast platforms. That's a tongue twister. And don't forget to check out the Locker Room short episodes dropping every Tuesday on your favorite podcast. So Apple, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe, practice gratitude, and we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat bouts and racks on handmade new racks. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. I'm sorry, everybody from sports to college class to rap.